Well, as I've been thinking about Christmas and all the good stuff, how many of you have people coming to your house for Christmas? You're hosting this year. Okay, good. Well, quite a few of you. How many of you get to go mooch off somebody else? Oh, that's the majority. See, you're wise. You guys are smart people. It's just uh, wonderful. You know, we, we think of food, we think of presents, we think of all the stuff, and, and, and we know as believers, um, if you're a believer here today, as a follower of Christ, you know all that's secondary to the meaning of Christmas. And I've called this message today, The Meaning of Christmas. If you have a bulletin, go to the back page and follow along, because it's kind of amazing all the different perspectives that the Christmas story holds. And I don't have time to get into all of them, just three of them today, but, but before I dive into that, I've, I've got to just... I've got to mention it, okay? I haven't mentioned it for six weeks. Have you heard the name Tim Tebow? I mean, I've got to say something about it. It's, it's a strange thing. Isn't this bizarre? I mean, last Sunday, I've got to tell you, I literally, at the end of that game, I thought, there is a God. <laughs> it was... It was, un if you don't follow football, uh, sorry, but it's been an amazing run here. And uh, there's a story that I came across that I want to share with you that I think is really kind of fun. It has to do with actually Tom Brady to start out with. Now, that's who we play today, the Patriots. Tom Brady is their quarterback. I mean, Super Bowl champion, MVP. He's, he's, got, he's, he's got it all, done it all. Well, he dies and goes to heaven and meets the Lord at the gate. And... Uh, the Lord says, welcome home, Tom. You've done a great job, and you've had quite a career, and I wanna, I've built a nice house for you. Come with me. So they walk around the corner on the streets of gold, and here is this massive house. Tom is like, that's for me? And the Lord's like, yep, good job. Welcome home. He goes in the house. They walk through the house. They go out in the backyard, and he looks up on this hill, and there's a house like 10 times the size of his. It's huge. And it's got like orange and blue sidewalks. <laughs> and it's got, it's got the, the logo of the Broncos built into the roof line. And it's got a big flagpole with a Bronco flag. And then it has number 15 jersey, Tebow, on the, over the porch. And, and Tom is like, you know, I'm not trying to be ungrateful, but why, why would I get this house and Tim Tebow gets that house? And the Lord put his arm around Tom and said... Tom, that's not Tim's house. That's my house. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. And true. Here's the point that I really want to make off of something so silly. Do you want God to be on your team? You know, that's what Christmas really is, if you think about it. It's, it's God coming to earth and saying, you're on my team now. You can win. There's always hope. There's always a way. Don't lose that hope. You can partner with God because he came in the flesh to this earth to change the world. And he died for your sin and mine. And it's a powerful story. And it's very, very compelling. Very, very compelling. So here's what I want to do. I want to just start with this, this idea as we walk through the outline with a question of asking you this. Um, what makes you the type of person you are? Have you ever thought of this? Like, like an example. Um, are selfish people born selfish? 
You know, do they come out of the womb and like, gimme, gimme, gimme. Is that, is that just a genetic thing? Um, are optimistic people born that way? Do they have a gene that someone else doesn't have? What makes you think the way you think? What makes you have the attributes in your life? It's a big question because as we walk through this story, we need to answer some of those questions. It's very interesting how we become who we are. The first group in your outline that I want to talk about, I've simply called the shepherd people. The shepherd people. To them, Jesus is an unknown. Okay, they're, they're pretty neutral on the whole. They don't know they're going to be drawn into this story. I guarantee you, uh, the shepherds would have never thought we would be talking about them 2,000 years later. I'll explain why in a minute. But their response, they had several responses. And the first one I want you to jot down is this. They were fearful. When the angel comes to the hillside where they are, it freaked them out. They were terrified, and rightly so. I would have been too. But let me read the story. Luke 2, verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. You know what I love about how this unfolds right in the beginning? is that God actually came first to the shepherds before the shepherds could ever go to God. And that's something we need to know as well. God came to us so that we might come to him. He led the way. Now, here's what's shocking. Shepherds were considered unclean. They couldn't keep the ceremonial laws of washing uh, because they're shepherds. They're on the hillside. They couldn't honor the Sabbath. They couldn't, there's so many things they couldn't do. So the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders of the day just pretty much despised them and had written them off. But God didn't. I don't know who's written you off. I don't know what other people think about you or say about you or what your self-talk is like. I don't know how insecure, how inferior you feel, but God believes in you and God is coming to you. And you might not believe it, but it's a fact. He came to the shepherds and they were nobodies. They couldn't even testify in a court of law because people said they couldn't be trusted. You know, sometimes, sometimes you feel like you just don't meet the criteria to, to be good enough for God. Well, welcome to the wor real world. None of us meet the criteria. <laughs> That's why God came to us. It's because we don't have a chance without him. Now, this is why I love the shepherds. The next thing I want you to jot down under there is they were willing. They were terrified, but then they, they were willing to at least examine it. And I respect that. I really respect that. Verse 15 says this. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, this is a hoax. No way this could be true. No, that isn't what they said. They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You know, they could have just said, this is bizarre. 
this is a joke someone's pulling on us, but they said, let's go check it out. Let's go see. Listen carefully. Those of you that are in this room today, you're not sure about the God thing. It's an unknown for you. Would you just pursue the little bit that you do know? Would you just maybe have an open enough heart to say, let's go see. Doesn't hurt to try. Maybe it's not real. They had to see for themselves. I love, I love the curiosity in these shepherds. When, when our kids were young, our son's name is Ryan, and he was just a little guy. I'll never forget it. We were living downstairs, uh, living in our house, and we were downstairs, and he had this kind of metal toy that he had that fit on another toy, and he was walking over to one of the sockets in our house. <laughs> and I knew that was trouble, and uh, he didn't. And he was looking at that socket, and he was looking at me, and I said, no, don't, don't put that in there. He moves his hand toward it. I said, right, don't, don't put that in there. Don't do it, buddy. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I went over there and took it away and said, no, because he didn't know the danger. But see, I love that curiosity. I love it because it caused the shepherds to get up from the hillside. See, sometimes to find God, we've got to move from where we are, and just a little bit of faith says, I'm going to at least examine it. I'm going to at least examine the fact. I'm going to examine the truth. I'm going to read some of the story this year. It's unknown to me, but you know what? I'm going to go there. They went there. I love that about them. And the last thing for them is that they became participants. How do you go from being terrified to actually being, you know, followers and caught in and curious enough to go see. And now look at what it says in verse 16. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, I love this next line, they, and I think the emphasis is on they, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. You know why they were amazed? I think, first of all, because it was from shepherds. <laughs> and secondly, it was this amazing story that could not be true. There's no way it could happen. Do you know that the shepherds were the first missionaries on the earth? They went to proclaiming. They were the first evangelists. The shepherds. Those who were not even trusted. See, God sees something in you that you do not see in yourself. Oh, and by the way, God has always had a love for shepherds. You go back into the Old Testament. Abraham was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David, the bloodline of Jesus, was a shepherd. And now in this book, Jesus is called the good shepherd. I think it's pretty cool to be a shepherd. The second group of people that I want to talk to you about, is, this is a tough one, okay? Hang on, I won't spin long here, but it's, it's horrible. The Herod people. The Herod people, because Jesus is a threat to them, a huge threat. Now, Herod was the king, and I'll read it in just a minute, but he had a horrible response to Jesus, and I don't know why sometimes Jesus, when you even use that name, it can create war. 
You can probably think of someone right now you work with or a neighbor that just even to try to have a conversation about Jesus, they are done. It is over. They're going to get angry, frustrated, upset. The reason I think this is important for us to deal with is that started in the beginning. That started all the way back here. There's a lot of fear and insecurity about who Jesus was. And I don't know the why, but we'll try to discover some of that in a minute. The, their response was, first of all, they were disturbed. People who are Herod people are very disturbed at Jesus and the story of Jesus and Christianity and what it, what it offers. It's disturbing to them for many reasons. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, the wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem, and they asked, Where is the one who has been born? Key phrase, king of the Jews. Okay, Herod, the trigger just flipped. King of the Jews, right? We saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard all of this, he was disturbed, and all in Jerusalem with him. You have to understand that the king in these days could say, your head be gone, and it would be gone. They had all power. And so this is a challenging time for all of this to be happening. And when the Magi came and had this first conversation, it was very challenging because King Herod is exposed to the reality that maybe there's another king that has been born with some divine connection. And Herod absolutely cannot handle that. I just asked this question. I just want to throw a couple seeds out there for you to consider. How much of Herod is in us? When it comes to intimidation, insecurity, those things which create anger in us, you know, are you going to be with, don't say, don't answer out loud, but are you going to be with anybody in the next week or so during Christmas, an in-law, a family member, a brother, sister, a nephew, niece, whatever, that, that you just really don't care for? And it's easy to just let the anger button be pushed. And everything they do, you look at through a sarcastic view. That's, that's the Herod line. We all have the potential for it. And it's worth us asking the hard questions. How does that get planted in us? Because the next little trait that can happen here in your notes is this. They can become destructive. I'm amazed at how destructive people can be in the world we live in. And Herod, I can't think of anything worse that he's about to do. Look in, in Matthew 2, verse 16. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Mag Magi. It's pretty sick, isn't it? And I, I just emotionally, I just go to that place of, what it must have been like for those soldiers to come into those homes and drag those little two-year-old boys and under out and kill them. And the grief of a mom, the grief of a dad, the grief of a family. Why? All because a madman was insecure and fearful. And I, I just don't want insecurity to ruin and dominate my life. I don't want fear to have a place in me. I don't want it to have a place in you. We all have the potential to have Herod in us and I just think we need to make a decision today to say, Lord, don't let that anger control my life. There's some of you in this room right now, you're, you're not a believer. You're not following Christ. Someone drug you to church today, kicking and screaming, right? We're, we're so glad you're here. But I even challenge you, don't let anger keep you from at least examining the claims 
of this one named Jesus. Don't let that angst or that sarcasm take away the greatest opportunity that could be in your hands. It's very sad, this story. Number three, and finally, is the Joseph and Mary people. I really love this part of the story. Joseph and Mary people. To them, Jesus is God. There's no other way to say it. They experience it firsthand. Um, I, I just want to say, in, in their response, they accepted the reality of Jesus. They just accepted it. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Let me read a couple verses. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Okay, here's the reality of Joseph and Mary. Ladies, I really want you to listen to me on this, and, and if you tell me if you agree. Mary would be the first person to believe Jesus is the Son of God, true or false. She would, she would be hands down the one because she knows her virginity, she knows her purity, and there's a baby growing inside of her. And the Holy Spirit conceived. That's what the message said. That's what's happening. She's a believer from day one. She knows this is God. Joseph, not so much at first. <laughs> and you can't blame him, guys. If you're dating someone and she comes to you and says, I'm pregnant, and it's the Lord. It's probably not going to work out real well. That's what Joseph was up against. Honestly, that's what he was up against. And he had a dream. And God came to him in a dream and said, it's okay, Joseph. Uh, this is true what she's told you. And he's like, okay, then I'll support her. I think he was the second true believer, no doubt. But when they had the baby and they know it's the son of God, they know it is. What was that like? To, I mean, he was, Jesus, this is the first time God is confined to bone and skin. And he had to be diaper trained. He had to grow up. He had to learn to walk. He had to develop his motor skills. He did. They had to raise him. I mean, think of the decisions. Did they like, did Joseph and Mary have these night talks like, you know, he's four now. Should we tell him that he's like the son of God? <laughs> Joseph's like, no, maybe we don't want to deal with that yet. What will that mean? How will that change? I can just see the day. You know, they sit him down. Jesus, you're a wonderful little boy, and, and you're the son of God. <laughs> now go outside and play. Have fun. <laughs> what, what if he says, I don't want to go outside and play? You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're the son of God. You can do what you want. Awkward. <laughs> there's, a cute little, there's a cute little picture I want to show you that says, well, if it isn't Joseph and Mary, our son is an honor student. This is the back of a camel. Our son is in medical school. Our son is God. <laughs> what is it like to raise God? Come on. How many awkward moments are there like that? I just can't even comprehend it. But here's the point I want to leave you with today. This is very important. They did the best they could. They didn't get it all right. Joseph and Mary were not perfect parents. You, you see the little episodes here and there with Jesus when he's in the temple talking to the scribes. And, and it's like Mary's like, what were you not thinking of us? Why didn't you come with us? And he's like, but I'm, I'm about my father's business. And she's like, oh, yeah. 
awkward. But they did the best they could. And here's what I want to say to you. On this week of Christmas, you don't have it all figured out. You're going to have issues this week. You're going to have challenges with relationships. You're going to have some painful experiences. You're going to feel some rejection from somebody. Everything isn't going to be perfect. The turkey might catch on fire and burn up. <laughs> but you know what you're going to do? You're going to do the best you can. And you're going to trust the Messiah. You're going to trust the Lord who came to this earth to be on your team. You're going to trust him. And faith is going to grow in you as you do the best you can. Because that's what God's called you to. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for moments like this. When you put our name on the jersey. And you call us your own. And you bring us to that place where you hold us in your own arms. And you are not afraid of our insecurities. You are not afraid of our disbelief. You're not even afraid of our anger. And I ask today that you would wash us by the mercies of God. With heads bowed, I wonder if there's some shepherd people in here today. Jesus is an unknown to you. I don't know. Maybe you didn't grow up hearing this story. Maybe it depends on how you were raised. Maybe you grew up hearing it, but stopped confessing it. Just don't have a desire. I just want to say this to you. Would you at least be willing to follow the seed and the voice that God wants to drop into your heart today? Those shepherds got up from the hillside and they did what they were asked to do. And because of that, 2,000 years later, we have their story recorded in Scripture. Your future will change if you consider the claims of Christ. Be a shepherd person and follow through with what he has said even if you don't understand, even if it doesn't make sense. How many of you would like, you'd be willing for me just to pray over you right now as a shepherd person to say, I'm just not sure. It's a little unknown, but I'll raise my hand and just say, pray for me that God would reveal what he wants to me, that I can see it, that I can have the faith to believe. Raise your hand with mine right now, would you? God bless you. Thank you guys so much. You can put them right back down. It's a great moment. Thank you for your honesty. Lord, I do pray. I pray that this seed will go into somehow the ground that's been prepared and that your spirit would massage it and, and that there would be hope and that there would be an examination of truth, that they would find themselves at, at the feet of Jesus like the shepherds did saying, wow, I didn't know that this was real. I just ask you to, to be the completer of this journey that they have. Be strong in them. Help them to, to respect and trust this journey. Help them to know this is a safe church for them to ask hard questions and to be a part of that journey, Lord. Thank you that they're here and you've called them here today. And if any of you want to just pray that prayer that says, Lord, I believe in you, just, just say it right now in your heart. I confess my sin to you. I trust. Somehow I, I see today what I haven't seen in the past, and I'm trusting you. I believe you are the Son of God died on that cross for me. Secondly, I want to pray for the Herod people in this room. We all have a little bit of Herod in us. It's that fear and insecurity. It's that anger. It's those buttons that get pushed. 
And I just think it's good for us to have a moment of this, especially going into a week like this when traffic's horrible and everything's busy and the register lines are long. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you can become something that you really don't want to be. Some scholars say Herod went mad. And, and I think that that's possible. That's what anger and resentment will do to you. So I just want to pray over you. If uh, you have that tendency, I don't even want you to raise your hand to this, but would you just say, yes, God, this prayer is for me. Lord, I pray over those in this room who just, they know that these seeds of anger and frustration, maybe disbelief, are real. But right now today, you're the healer of broken hearts. Lord, I don't know why Herod was just so mad, so angry, but I even pray for those in this auditorium who have had a terrible church experience. A pastor has let them down, a church person, someone they trusted has let them down and they're a God-hater because of it. Would you show them who you are and not let them stop with what someone else did to them? Show them yourself today, that you're the Christmas story, the Christ more story. We trust you, Lord. Help us. Lastly, I pray for the emotional trauma that many will face this week. Lord, for those in this room that just need to stop and say, I'm going to trust God through the tough stuff, the relationships, the issues. And God, I pray over families who are connecting. I pray over families who have had lost loved ones this year. The emotion of all that, that you will be the Savior, Christ the Lord. Amen.
awesome. Wow, dude. So good. Thank you, Jerry. Wonderful. Let's stand together. Would you join me? Thank you, Jerry, so much. Hey, I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope to see you on Christmas Eve with your family, and we'll put the candle in your hand and practice this week, okay? Practice this week. And on Christmas Day, Lord, go before us. Thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy extended to us. That is the meaning of Christmas. Amen. If you want someone to pray with you, come on up. Our prayer team will be here to do that. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week.